Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Tuesday, November 1st, 2022, one week until the election. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, we've got some news on the upcoming House leadership elections. Number two, the latest on Paul Pelosi. And number three, Chris Murphy versus Elon Musk. All right, Jake, let's get into it. We've got some news this morning on the upcoming House leadership elections. Leadership elections are always our, uh, I don't know if it's our Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Super Bowl. Uh, Super, all right. Super Bowl. It's, you know, it is the, one of the things that, you know, we grew up covering the ins and outs, the dramas of who is going to lead, um, you know, each of the Democrat and the Republican uh, Republicans in the House. They are, it's going to be pretty interesting. It is. Um Okay, so let's just take this from the top. Um, The House Republicans are likely to hold their leadership elections on Monday, on Tuesday, November 15th, after a candidate forum on Monday, November 14th. Um, These dates haven't been finalized, but this is what it's going to be. I don't really care whether it's finalized or not. This is what they're going to do, according to everybody that I've spoken to in the GOP leadership. Um, Okay, now... You know, I feel like I have to say this caveat every time I talk about Democratic leadership. If you're in Democratic leadership and this is going to make you angry or nervous and you're going to end up calling one of us this afternoon, just turn this off and take a deep breath, have a sip of coffee and come back to it when you're better prepared. Um, But the Democratic leadership is likely to hold its leadership elections after Thanksgiving. This has happened. This happened in 2016 and 2018. Um, Who does it benefit? Now, the Democratic leadership situation is just so confused right now that I don't know who it benefits. I mean, listen, there's a lot of uncertainty because we don't know whether the top three are going to return. Try to return. Or they're try to return. Nancy Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, or... Uh, And or Jim Clyburn, some some combination of the three. Um, In the past, Pelosi has moved these elections around in 2016 and 2018. Um, she moved them around. It's not like she's moving them to like January. She's moving them a couple weeks. It's not the, it's not, uh, uh, a big Can I say something? Cause I think it is, it, it, I will say this though, in both of those instances, first of all, in, in 16, it was because there was the failed, uh, run by, uh, you know, it was Tim Ryan, then Democrat of Ohio in, in the house, um, trying to challenge her. And 2018 was to get ahead of that potential rebellion. Typically, and almost always, a fast and swift leadership election benefits those who are in current power. That's true, because they have the infrastructure to do it. And actually, that's why, you know, going back to the Republicans for a second, um, if Republicans take the majority as is widely expected, um, and Tom Emmer, the NRCC chair, is running for whip in, in the most contested election in um, in this kind of uh, leadership shakeup or leadership election, Emmer will have to put together a race in uh, in just a week. And just a lot, I, I've just heard, I'll just be honest with you, I've heard a lot in the last couple of days of people who are, you know, um, uh, a little bit squeamish of Emmer's candidacy because he got into this big spat or Tucker Carlson was dumping on him. Um, uh, and someone said to me last night or yesterday afternoon, um, why elevate Emmer if he's just going to make the leadership an, an object of Tucker Carlson's ire? 
I don't know how widespread that is, but um, I mean that's we, like I mean that could be anybody any day of right, the week. Yeah, though. Carlson's I mean, not a huge fan of a lot of people. And, and uh, certainly not usually people. the way leadership is is choosing to wield its power. Yeah, but I will say, I mean, I remember in twenty back in the Boehner era and the Paul Ryan era, it was sometimes it was Sean Hannity or or uh, other people who were the um, the object of Fox News's ire or the evening on Fox News's ire. So anyway, I don't know. Um, but uh, we will we should expect that, you know, and I, I told our staff this yesterday um, on an editorial call, but like no, starting November 9th, you know, eight days from now or whatever it is, um, leadership elections are going to be in full swing and it's going to last until January because the, the first is the internal elections and then is the floor vote for Speaker of the House um, uh, when the new Congress begins if Republicans take the majority or if Democrats keep the majority, there's still an election for speaker. So um, we'll be all over that. Absolutely. You can read more about all of the details of who's running for what, especially of the potential next generation for Democrats waiting in the wings, who to be watching and their body language in this morning's Punchbowl News AM. Going to the number two story of the morning for us, uh, we are following up on Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, that horrific attack uh, in their San Francisco home. Uh, Pelosi had a statement out Monday night, Jake, talking about the horrific attack, saying that, um, quote, Paul is making steady progress on what will be a long recovery process. What stuck out to me is that Pelosi said that it's going to be a long recovery. I mean, we kind of assume that considering um, Pelosi, Paul Pelosi had his skull fractured after uh, David DePape, the alleged attacker, um, hit him over the head with a hammer. And, uh, you know, we reported in the evening edition yesterday just about the details, according to the criminal complaint of this um, uh, attack at Pelosi's house. It was, it is frightening. And we should just talk about this for a minute uh, as we did in the evening edition yesterday. I mean, they found zip ties, they found tape, they found gloves, they found rope. Uh, and and DePape allegedly said, according to the criminal complaint, that he was gonna stay there until Pelosi got home. Um, he wanted to break Pelosi's knees so she could be wheeled into the house chamber. I mean, these the the, the kind of uh, delusional notions here of what this man was thinking of doing to Nancy Pelosi is frightening. And uh, I mean, it is by grace of God, quite frankly, Anna, that um, Mr. Pelosi, Paul Pelosi, was able to get to a phone and to get the police aware of this situation because Lord have mercy, it was scary, according to this criminal complaint. Yeah, absolutely. Really, um, really just hard stuff to even read about, much less imagine it, it being a reality. I think also just for a lot of members, you know, the, the reading just how actually severe and possibly, you know, things could have gone even worse um, if she had been home. Um, it, it's 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 pretty tough times, you know, and I think it'll be, as we talked about yesterday on this podcast, you and I have talked about, I think, you know, member security, what is the reaction here? Are they able to get more funding? You know, how can they better recruit members and also deal with some of these threats, uh, you know, for families and, and spouses? It's going to be an ongoing um, debate here, and Paul Pelosi's recovery is going to be something that kind of keeps it certainly in the news. Let's move on to the number three story of the morning, Jake. We have talked a ton about how 
House Republicans oversight, and they're going to be going after potentially uh, some of the big tech over questions of, you know, tamping down, uh, you know, free speech and things like that. But interestingly enough, we have Senator Chris Murphy, the Democrat from Connecticut, one of the most respected foreign policy voices on the Hill, calling for federal agencies, specifically the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, otherwise known as CFIUS, to investigate Twitter's new ownership structure. So we've got Democrats now, for very different reasons, um, going after potentially Twitter and Elon Musk. That is true. Um, he, what Murphy is saying here, and Murphy is one of the more respected foreign policy voices in the House, or in the Senate, rather. Uh, he was in the House, but that's not really what I was trying to say. Um, he is um, he's making the point that this is the public square, basically. This is a, a key me method of communication for members of Congress, for governors, for the president. And now it's going to be owned privately, basically, and also by uh, with a big stake by the Saudis. Now, the Saudis had a big stake in this company before. It was a public company at that time. It's no longer a public company. Elon Musk owns it and uh, is the sole director. He, he fired the entire board of directors yesterday, which is to be expected because he's taken the company private. Um, so this is an interesting kind of twist in the tech battles of the Hill, right? Because it's not only conservatives that are going to be talking about tech. It's now also progressives and people who are concerned about about um, uh, national security and, and the proliferation of a country like Saudi Arabia into the American public debate. All right. With that one quick bit of news, we are interviewing Representative Suzanne Delbeni, the Democrat from Washington, on Monday, November 21st in a one-on-one -on -one virtual conversation about the importance of privacy and security in existing and new technologies. This is part of our three-part series, Building Trust in Technology. You can go to our events hub to RSVP for that. Looking forward to hearing what she has to say on those issues. Thanks so much for listening. Please leave us a rating and review. Share the Daily Punch. It's the best way for folks to find out about us. You can also subscribe to Punchbowl News in our free morning newsletter at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.